0: That's concur.com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, Timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With Diamond Jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? And it's Friday. That means it's time for a classic episode of Tech Stuff. And this one originally published on April 15th, 2013. It's called Tech Stuff Experiments with Fusion. So let's listen in. We're talking nuclear fusion and to uh, kind of give you an idea of what nuclear fusion is, how we are trying to harness nuclear fusion as a source of energy production, really electricity production. Uh, yeah,
1: and yeah, it's, it, it's being touted as one of the technologies of the future that is going to give us unlimited energy. And
0: how far away is it? Twenty to thirty to fifty years,
1: and and every year it seems like we're it's still
0: twenty to thirty <laughs> to fifty years. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, this, that's one of those things that scientists will often uh, wryly kind of joke about that the technology is always twenty years away, and uh, and you know it's because the challenges that we need to overcome are quite impressive, pretty
1: serious. Doesn't yeah.
0: doesn't mean we won't do it because human beings are amazing. You know we innovate and we oh, invent, yeah. but. Um, but let's, let's kind of, first of all, talk about the difference between fusion and fission. Fission is the kind of uh, nuclear process that is used in our nuclear power plants today. Right. So if you are familiar with the nuclear power plants, things like, you know, of course they're the famous ones that have suffered catastrophic failures, like mm-hmm. Three Mile Island or Chernobyl. Fukushima, yeah. Uh, but th- these are the, the uh, reactors where they split up larger atoms into smaller atoms, and as a result, a great deal of energy is given off, uh, really in the form of heat, which is then harnessed to convert water into steam, which turns steam turbines, which are connected to electrical generators generating electricity. Mm -hmm. So really, it's just a, a very very efficient way of heating up a lot of water really quickly mm-hmm. and making it do work.
1: Oh, yes, a very f- efficient, very radioactive steam generator.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the big issues with uh, with the fission power plants, obviously, is that it uses nuclear uh, radioactive material, not just nuclear material, radioactive material. Right. And that it doesn't, the, the radioactivity is still very much a factor once that reaction is finished.
1: For thousands and thousands of years. Right,
0: yeah, you, you Generally speaking, only about 3% of the uranium in a uranium rod is used up in a fission reactor before the waste has to be disposed of because it uh, will continue to heat up until it reaches a point that's too hot and the reactor itself can suffer a failure. You have, that's what you have. And the you meltdown. have that meltdown. Right? Yeah. Uh, there are some, uh, some approaches that are uh, suggesting that we take another pass at that nuclear waste and use that in a second round by immersing it in a molten salt. The waste annihilating molten salt reactor, which I
1: still I just can't I can't
0: get over the uh, the annihilator part. Yeah, of the that, waste but, annihilator. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So uh, this this reactor would it's still a fission reactor, but it would uh, immerse the the radioactive material, the uranium, in a molten salt and use that to control the heat in a in a way that would allow you to use that material for longer, so you'd be able to get more use out of the same radioactive material. And reduce the life of the actual radioactive yeah, elements at
1: the at the final output. I think it would only be radioactive. It, it would only be reactive for another three hundred years.
0: Yeah. So still well beyond our lifetimes right now. But not something that you would say. All right, generations and generations and generations are going to have right, to be right. aware of this. You don't have
1: to start. Uh, you know, programming things that people. You know, languages that don't exist yet are yeah. going to be able to understand. Right. Right.
0: How do I? How do I create a pictogram graph that shows exactly, do not go in here. Don't touch this thing. You know, we messed that, it up really hard. Right. In 10,000 years, English may not even be a thing anymore. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's one of those possible solutions. But fusion is very different. Fission, all about splitting atoms apart. Fusion is about being buddy-buddy and bringing atoms together. <laughs> and this is this is the kind of, uh, of process that we see happening in stars, including the sun.
1: The sun being a star, yes. Yes.
0: Yes, well, I'm just making sure people know that. Uh, and despite what my, one of my favorite bands has said, in a cover of a song actually, the sun is not really a mass of incandescent gas a gigantic (laughs) nuclear furnace but they did correct it in a later song and say it was a miasma of incandescent plasma, so they did go back and correct it, but uh, they were actually quoting an old uh, song from a a science album for kids Mm -hmm. which was to explain the process of fusion and how the sun generates energy and light And, uh, and the way it happens is it takes these Uh, hydrogen atoms and because the sun is so massive and dense there's a huge amount of gravity there Mm -hmm. and it's creating an an enormous amount of pressure and heat so the heat is uh, stripping those hydrogen atoms of their electrons
1: creating ions
0: Uh that creates ions and in uh, a pure hydrogen atom is just a proton and an electron so that electron goes away now you've just got a proton there sure and so uh, you have these protons now that are zipping around at Moving incredible very speeds fast. Um, and being pressed together really tightly by the amazing force of gravity. And at the sun's core, where this is the strongest, these atoms are banging up against each other so fast and so close that one of the other fundamental forces in the universe... Overacts the electromagnetic force. Now, the four forces in the universe include gravity, which is the weakest, but is the uh, it it is the most effective over huge distances. Right. You have electromagnetic force, you and then you have the strong and weak nuclear forces. Now, the strong force is what holds nucleic particles together. It's like the glue that keeps a nucleus together. Right. Right. So, if you were able to get two protons close enough to each other, uh, the strong nuclear force would be strong enough to counteract the electromagnetic force. That's
1: naturally that's driving them apart, because right. protons both have a positive charge, and if you've ever taken two magnets and tried to stick the two positive ends together, it, it, it resists you. It doesn't want to do that thing. Exactly. Um, but when you get them to within one trillionth of a millimeter of each other, yeah. then that will, that will go away. Yeah. or or it will be overcome by the strong, nuclear, strong force. nuclear force.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So you have to get them really really close together. Now at that po- point when you have fused two hydrogen protons together, you've created a different element. Hydrogen has now become helium. At a temperature of millions, millions of, of degrees. degrees. Doom, doom. Uh so uh yeah, we
1: can't see <laughs> we, we might, I'm, We might both be, they might be Giants I'll be seeing
0: them in a week. Uh, they're coming to Atlanta. By the time you guys hear this, I've already seen it. And the show is awesome, I guess. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, the, the protons have fused together to form helium. But here's the interesting thing. In that process, the mass of that helium atom... Is slightly less than the combined masses of the two hydrogen atoms that fuse together to make the helium. Why is that, Jonathan? Some of that mass gets converted into energy. Right. Now, there's a little equation you may have heard of called E equals mc squared.
1: I think, I think some, some guy named Einstein was talking yeah. about that.
0: I L- don't know. Listen here, Einstein. Yeah. <laughs> Einstein uh, came up with this idea. Uh, he came up with a theory and, and, Turns out that it, it looks like it's true. Um, energy equals mass times the square, or the speed of light squared rather, not the square of speed, of light, but the speed of light squared. So speed of light is a big, 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 big number. Mm-hmm. Then you square it and it's even bigger.
1: Much bigger. And you multiply. Exponentially bigger.
0: Yeah, and multiply that times whatever the mass is, you get your energy output. And so essentially what this equation tells us, ...is that a tiny little bit of mass, once converted into energy, will be an enormous amount of energy.
1: Right. Same thing... It, well, and also that the, the mass and energy never really go away. No. They are simply converted Exactly. We,
0: we cannot create or destroy energy, but what we can do is convert energy to mass and mass to energy, at least in theory now uh, if we were to convert energy to mass it would take an awful lot of energy to make just a little bit of mass which is why uh, I always go crazy when I read the Harry Potter books and people conjure stuff out of thin air because I think do you you just destroyed like three solar systems in order to do They're that
1: clearly pulling them from a parallel dimension or something like that yes
0: yeah, so there's just a there's, bunch there's of people just... in a parallel dimension like it's so cold
1: there's a there's a really huge room of requirements somewhere that's just, okay yeah
0: all right now now you're talking my language so yeah it it A little bit of mass creates a lot of energy. So even though we're talking tiny atomic measurements here, where we have the helium uh, atom, which has got a lower mass than the two combined hydrogen atoms, that still puts off quite a bit of energy. And, And the sun is doing this all the time with tons of hydrogen converting into helium every day. Right. All right. So... Massive amount of energy that's being that's being emitted. I mean, and if it weren't being emitted, then there would be no life on this planet.
1: Right, and 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 we know it works. You know, so it, we can observe this. This is this is as far as we can tell, real science.
0: Yes, so uh, we know it works. We know we can do it. In fact, we have done it. We've reproduced mm-hmm. it here on Earth. We'll get into that in a little bit. But it, the question was, if the sun does this, if that's how the sun does this, could we create energy here on Earth using a similar method? Knowing that on Earth the conditions are very different right, from right. the core of the sun we
1: don 't have that gravity or that heat that is allowing the Sun to overcome
0: the, the right to overcome electromagnetic the electromagnetic force, force. yeah and in in the, the gravity is the really important part because that gravity is what 's allowing the, this nuclear fusion process to happen. At a temperature that would actually be lower than it we would need here on Earth, because we don't have that gravity, we don't have the ability to compress the atoms as tightly together as we would if if, if we had the Sun's gravity. Right, right. We I... have to gen- we have to overcome that with mm-hmm. even more heat.
1: Yeah. The, the Sun only needs about um 15 million degrees Kelvin. Only oh, a measly. Hmm?
0: 15 million Kelvin.
1: 15. Uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my bad. I always do that. I um, did.
0: I did it once, and one of our great listeners corrected me, and that's the only reason oh. I. Didn't because our listeners are awesome, and they, they let me know when I've done something silly like that. Completely ridiculous. It's the only reason I know. <laughs> so thank you, listeners.
1: Um, uh, so, so, yeah, the sun only needs about 15 million Kelvin in order to do this. Uh, here on Earth, it would be something like 100 million.
0: Yeah, so we're talking massive amounts of energy that we would need here on Earth to compensate for the fact that we don't have that gravity there to help us with this reaction. Um, now, in the sun, you're talking about the pure hydrogen encountering other pure hydrogen. So one proton, one electron, the electrons get stripped away, the protons get fused together. But on Earth, we've discovered that there's a better uh combination to go with it. it requires less energy than it would if we were to use pure hydrogen
1: right it's it's relatively difficult to run into pure hydrogen here, yeah, on we
0: you would so. have to you would have to essentially split the hydrogen off of something else. um you know, there's lots of hydrogen on earth. Um, we have no water, shortage of it, yeah, it's just it. connected to lots of other stuff, yeah so um the Two types, uh, the two isotopes of hydrogen. And isotope, by the way, uh, means that uh, you have more or fewer neutrons than whatever the um, the atom typically has. But it's or it's it's a different number of of neutrons than uh, the base version of that atom. Right. But it's um, same number of protons, same number of electrons. So an isotope is one isotope of hydrogen is uh, deuterium which is also known as heavy hydrogen, and it has one proton and one neutron. So typically you would not have a neutron with hydrogen. Deuterium does have a neutron. And then you have tritium, which is called also called heavy, heavy hydrogen. <laughs> so it's extra heavy. He's not heavy. He's my tritium. <laughs> uh, and this is a proton that has two neutrons. Uh, so same, still the same element. It's just a different isotope. Uh, now, Deuterium, we've got a lot of that here on Earth.
1: Uh, yeah, it can be extracted from seawater. It's not radioactive or anything. Uh,
0: yeah, it's not dangerous. Um, that, but yeah, you can you can find deuterium in in uh, ocean water. Um, you cannot find tritium very easily, mostly because it's not completely stable, it does tend to decay, and uh, it's it has, just... It has
1: a half-life of about 10 years, but yeah. you can um, you can get it from lithium.
0: Yeah, you, you if you take lithium, the metal the lithium, not the medication, the <laughs> metal lithium, and you bombard it with neutrons, then one of the things you get out of that is tritium. So that is one way to get the, the tritium, and it, we found out that tritium and deuterium, if you try to fuse those two together, then you get helium and a neutron uh, out of that reaction, and uh, it requires less energy than, it, than other combinations do.
1: Right. The, the, these are the current forms of fusion that are possible on our planet, our, our deuterium tritium.
0: Hey, guys, hope you're enjoying this classic episode of Tech Stuff. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. <music> Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do.
2: as the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene!
1: Eugene Fodor! Gene, what's we'll good?
2: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with.
0: So, you ride the books, Jean, and the last on the business. Well, I understand now, it's a wise man uh, marries a wiser woman.
2: But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean! Run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's
0: Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get back to fusion. So we've got the deuterium in the seawater. We can bombard some lithium with some neutrons and get some tritium out of that. Uh, We're ready to introduce the deuterium to the tritium and and make a date and (laughs) have them fuse together in a single unit of helium and shoot off an extra neutron. And a lot of energy. What do we need to do? So we know that we're going to be using deuterium and tritium because that's the the uh, the most efficient way that we've found so far uh-huh. to be able well, it's, to do it's, this. Well, it's
1: the easiest for for us to use. Deuterium-deuterium would actually be more efficient, but it's more difficult to get started.
0: Oh, uh, I see, I see. So, right, so we we might get more energy output with deuterium-deuterium, but it would also require more energy to get the whole thing started.
1: Right, which is kind of the entire problem with fusion
0: yeah, in, in fact, general. That's, that's, that's the biggest, all right, we'll just go ahead and say that. One of the biggest challenges we face with fusion is the fact that in order to make a fusion reaction here on Earth, you have to pour in a great deal of energy so that you can create the the uh, the, the situation you're, you need. Right, to, you're,
1: you're replicating what goes on in a star. That's really a lot of temperature, a lot of pressure. Yeah, um, so in so. order
0: to do that without all that pressure here on Earth, we've got to pour in even more temperature. Mm-hmm. So that's the big challenge, is how do you create a reaction that's going to generate more energy through the output than it required to, to start create. it? Right. So if it, Requires more energy to go in than you get out. You have an energy sink. You're yes, actually losing you're, energy.
1: You're in the red, and that's yeah. not really useful. No, um, it's, I mean it's, it's pretty. It's still pretty cool. Yeah, but it it's just not doesn't.
0: Yeah, commercially yeah. viable. I guess if you want to make helium, uh, there are probably easier better ways, ways to, do to that. get helium. I mean, yeah. we are running out. I mean, but uh-huh. still, that's a lot of energy you're pouring into making some balloons float or cooling the Large Hadron Collider, however you want to think about it.
1: Right, but so so we do have, we do, there, there's two main ways that mm-hmm. we are experimenting with this on Earth, and uh, one of those, it's called magnetic confinement.
0: Right, so magnetic confinement is what was used in the Joint European Taurus, or jet uh, fusion reactor, and this was sort of a test reactor, it wasn't meant to be uh, a, a like an electrical generator right? Oh,
1: right right it wasn't a power plant it was more science is cool than anything else
0: but uh... and this is a good point to say that you know ultimately the way we would generate ener- uh, electricity with these is not that we have some magical, like, uh, power Energy cables. collectors that, yeah,
1: yeah that, that, that just suck plug out.
0: into the uh-huh. bolts and then it pulls, yeah. It, this no. is
1: still a steam generator. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is really interesting to me because, you know, this is, I, technically this is steampunk. I mean... Yeah, we're, I,
0: we're essentially harnessing the power of the of sun. Of the atom. Uh-huh. Yes. The stars themselves... To turn water into steam, uh, yeah, it's still but, it's still converting water to steam to turn really steam really well, really efficiently, yeah, really efficiently, and a lot of water because you're talking about a lot of heat. Yeah. So then um, that's the th- that's the other thing is that if if you could have used the same amount of energy you used to start the reaction to heat up some water (laughs) and 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 get a better effect, effect, then obviously this makes no sense. I mean, that's the whole point, is that we have to find a way to do a fusion reaction where we're getting more energy than we're putting into it. Otherwise, just take the reactor out and just direct your energy to water directly. Mm -hmm. Take out the middleman. But um, magnetic confinement, you mentioned, it uses a really powerful magnetic field to hold... The uh, the ionized gas in place, and ionized gas is plasma. plasma. So plasma is a gas where you've got free roaming electrons. That is what the sun is. That's you know all that heat has stripped away the electrons. You've poured energy in, you've pushed the electrons away. You've got these free flowing uh, nuclei uh, in inside the plasma. And then uh, the the magnetic field starts to press all of these nuclei together until you are able to fuse them. And what you get are uh, helium atoms and free neutrons. The neutrons fly off and they hit what they call blankets
1: blankets of lithium.
0: Yep, blankets uh, lithium is in the blanket as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the that means that because remember, if you bombard lithium with a neutron, you create tritium, which means that you can continually create part yeah. of the fuel source you need for this for reaction for free
1: while you're in the middle of the process. Yeah, it's pretty pretty neat.
0: Yeah, and it's also giving off a lot of energy in the form of heat, which is then heating up the water to turn it into steam, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm, sure. So that's magnetic confinement. Um and we use different things to heat up the plasma like we might use microwaves or, or lasers or, or
1: electricity, electricity or um, mm-hmm. uh, i think that that accelerator driven neutral particle beams are are uh, are integral in the um international thermonuclear experimental reactor or iter which is the one in france yes it comes from france uh,
0: that one <laughs> yes it does uh, that one is um still being built
1: and mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's projected to be finished in 2020 Yep, and project- projected to be online by twenty thirty. Although whether or not that is a true fact or not is, you know, remains to be seen.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if it stays on uh, target, then we'll be able to say by twenty thirty, you know, if this is actually a viable means of generating uh, electricity for us. Right. Uh, by the way, uh, it, the chamber uh, has a special name.
1: It's a. It's a. No, how did how do we decide this? Taco Mac.
0: Yeah, I we, keep thinking Taco got, Mac. We've got
1: Taco Macs here in Atlanta. Yeah, so it yeah. keeps throwing me Ta- off. Taco um, Mac
0: is a is a restaurant chain in Atlanta that has uh, obviously tacos. Yes, but this uh, is
1: Taco Mac. It's actually a Russian acronym for toroidal chamber with axial magnetic field, which basically means it's a donut. It's a magnet. It's a magnetic donut.
0: <laughs> magnetic donut yeah
1: these and, and, and granted this is this is a you know the eider version is a is a hundred foot tall twenty three thousand ton million part donut
0: enormous magnetic donut <laughs> yeah and the reason for the donut shape is they've found that that is the most uh, effective way of of uh, containing the plasma in this really tight field so that you can have these fusion reactions take place. So we've got magnetic confinement. There's another method uh, which ha- it received some, some attention early on, and there's still some labs, like there's some in the United States, that are still looking mm-hmm. at this approach. And it may even turn out that this ends up generating more energy in the long run than the magnetic confinement, but we're still trying to figure that out. It's called inertial confinement.
1: Right, and this is using um, laser beams or ion beams to squeeze and heat that hydrogen plasma.
0: Yeah. Well, in this case, really, they take a a pellet of frozen hydrogen.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: you have deuterium and tritium in an actual physical pellet. So mm-hmm. you're talking super cold.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and, and pea sized. I mean like little bitty thing.
0: Yeah, and you're using these these lasers or ions to heat that pellet into a plasma almost instantaneously. I mean, and mm-hmm. you're just you're bombarding it with an enormous amount of energy. And essentially what's happening is that all right. If you've ever seen the the magic trick, where the magician walks up to the the, the dining table with all the beautiful glassware and everything that's uh-huh. perched perfectly oh. on the tablecloth, and then he grabs the tablecloth and gives it a quick jerk and everything stays there.
1: Uh, what kind Peter Vanckman failed to do in Ghostbusters. Exactly, yes. yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, it's the same same sort of idea here in that you are heating it up so fast that because it's, because this is a compressed pellet and the lasers are actually compressing it, or ions are compressing it even further as it's being heated up, before the electromagnetic force has the opportunity to push the atoms apart, the strong nuclear force fuses them together.
1: And so it kind of implodes. Yeah. So you gotta do,
0: I mean, it, it's happening Super fast. Mm-hmm. Now um, the okay. the in
1: fractions like one millionth of a second, I yeah. think, is how fast this happens. It's,
0: it's insane, and and uh, it's a, there are other differences between the inertial confinement and magnetic confinement. With magnetic confinement, the goal is to find a way to have ongoing fusion reactions so mm-hmm. that you don't have to just generate electricity or generate heat in spurts, that you could actually have a maintained reaction that goes on for an extended amount of time to generate as much electricity as is needed. Whereas uh, inertial confinement, you'd have to set up multiple, essentially multiple targets.
1: Oh, right, right. Because uh, the way that the way that one of them works at the National Ignition Facility of Lawrenceville-Livermore Laboratory in the United States, in California, I believe. Um, it uses 192 laser beams to focus on a single point in a test chamber, um, and this single point is where that little pea-sized bit of, uh, of hydrogen. hydrogen is yeah. sitting. And and so you know they're they're working on ways to focus the lasers better and. And
0: essentially have multiple
1: pellets. And and, and also, yeah, and, and to have to have chambers, multiple chambers with multiple pellets that are going off in succession so that you create a continuous in quote, quotation marks in the air yeah, reaction. Yeah. So
0: it's it's a challenging thing and uh, if if they are able to crack it, it has the potential to create quite a bit of electricity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so that we could start to really take the the load off of things like uh, fossil fuel based power plants
1: right right uh, they're, they're talking about um, with with inertial confinement a 50 to hundred times more energy um, output than than you would have to put in yeah. whereas uh, the numbers that I've seen for ITER anyway are more like seven times yeah so
0: you know either way you're still getting a lot of energy out oh, uh, sure. and and we're not there yet no one has no one has created a fusion reactor here on earth that has been efficient enough for it to be a meaningful way to create electricity uh it because uh, you would be losing energy on the deal so if these work out it's going to be fantastic uh, there are there are a lot of challenges here i mean you can imagine if we're talking about using these incredible amounts of heat you have to be able to design a reactor that can withstand it can handle that. it sure. yeah and that's tough it's not an easy thing to do yeah so that's a big challenge and then you know we've got other ones as well and again Scientists will say, like, eh, it's about 20 years away. Right. So hopefully we're, they're right. You um,
1: know, right now I think one, one of the challenges is almost a societal challenge because people hear fusion and they think fission. And, and they, they think radioactive.
0: Radioactive and, radioactive and, radioactive they think, and
1: meltdown yeah. and not in my backyard right. and et cetera.
0: Uh, whereas fusion is, potentially anyway, loads safer uh-huh. than a fission reactor. You don't, you're not talking about, you, you know, your output is a neutron and helium. It's not a heavy radioactive material right. that's going to have a half life of several thousand years. It's stuff that is harmless once you have harnessed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, really, the question would be you know, as long as the reactor is well made and solid, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about this heat escaping or. Uh, right, any well, other kind of of, uh, of mechanical
1: failure. Well, like like any other um, steam turbine generator, it's going to have an impact on the environment in that you know you're going to be taking in water, and and that's an impact, and it's going to be putting off steam, which well, is an impact. And there, there are a lot
0: of there are a lot of designs I've seen where they have built in a system where they condense the steam back down into the water, so it becomes a closed loop.
1: Right. Which so is at least
0: then you are. Yeah, I mean, you still probably have a loss. I mean, it's uh-huh. it's hard to create a perfectly closed loop. Yeah. But if you could, then you could just essentially use the same water over and over uh-huh. and over again, because uh, you know the steam's just going to condense into water, and then the water will yeah. go back into steam once you heat it up. Yeah. And, so, and
1: and again, you know, even if you do have even if you do have a loss, you're not going to be having Blinky the three-eyed fish in the river outside. Right. So. Right.
0: So so yeah, there's you know, and and who knows? Maybe that'll uh, really generate enough helium for us. I mostly joke about that because I seriously doubt there's any useful way to harness a a huge amount of helium from these reactions. Guys, I hope you're not fused too closely with this topic because we need to take another quick break, but we'll be right back. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi.
2: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math and Magic Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios
0: didn't really control the theaters, the theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry.
2: Or Kellen Kenney, chief marketing and growth officer at at and who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar.
1: It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson.
2: In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math and Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.
0: Cold Fusion it is kind of what it sounds like. I mean, the idea is what it sounds like, and if well, it's, it's, it's
1: not actually cold, it's more room temperature. Room fusion, temperature fusion, really, but, Com- but that's compared- a little bit less of a fun buzzword. Right. So well, compared
0: to a hundred million degree. Reaction, it's Comparatively, frigid fusion. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, cold fusion is the idea that you would be able to create these reactions, these fusion reactions at essentially room temperature and still get energy off of them, which if it were true would be huge because that would mean that we wouldn't have to pour in so much energy to start the reaction. Yeah, We'd yeah. We just have to set up the right situation and harness the, uh, the energy that comes off of it and make free energy for everybody.
1: Mm, right, right. Proponents of it, I like to call it low energy nuclear reactions. Yeah,
0: because it it, cold fusion definitely has a stigma against it now. And um,
1: there's a reason
0: yeah. for thats that. Is All, right. that uh, <laughs> All right. So, so there were the, a pair of scientists, Pons and Fleischman, who uh, published a paper that was that, that this really This in
1: 1989.
0: Yeah, it became really famous. And it was that this they were talking about a reaction that, that they observed that gave off more energy than it should have based upon what they did. Right, so- right.
1: What happened was um they put an electrode of palladium into a thermos of, of heavy water mm-hmm. of uh, deuterium oxide. Uh-huh. Um and charged it with an electrical current. And uh supposedly the palladium catalyzed fusion by allowing the deuterium atoms to snuggle up so,
0: in other words, they were able to create a fusion reaction at a, at a very low temperature, comparatively speaking. Mm-hmm.
1: and room uh, temperature, yeah. And,
0: and that they observed an excess of energy being given off by this. So they were like, uh, Eureka, we have found a way to create electricity mm-hmm. or really to create energy through this reaction. And then a few labs tried to replicate their results, and early results seemed to replicate it, uh, at least in a couple of instances. But upon further... Study. It seemed like most of those successes were due to either mechanical error, like someone uh-huh. mis- someone misread, misread the something, mm-hmm. or it was a poorly calibrated uh, sensor. Or yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like like there was there always seemed to be something wrong with the experiment uh, that put whatever the results were within the margin of error. And if it's within the margin of error, you cannot really be sure that you've got an actual positive result. Right. So Pons and Fleischman continued to talk about their studies and continued to be proponents of this idea, uh, but it increasingly became sort of a, kind of a... a Almost lo- a joke, really. A pathological science is what other okay. scientists were calling it. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. which essentially means joke and science <laughs> talk. No, they were saying that it, there was no real proof of it working that... The results were not replicable, which is something that's important in science, as it turns out. Yeah, we like that. And that there does, doesn't seem to be any support, based upon our understanding of the universe, that cold fusion could actually be a thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and this wasn't the only time that it's been attempted. Uh, back in 2005, UC, UCLA researchers were working with uh, pyroelectric crystals um, to to create electric fields in, in water, Normal, uh-huh. normal old stuff. And uh, in 2009, the U.S. Navy's uh, Space and Naval Warfare Systems Department was was trying some stuff.
0: Yeah, and it and just it doesn't seem to have ever panned out. Now, there are conspiracy theorists who suggest that perhaps big energy companies are suppressing information about cold fusion and have compromised the scientific community as such, uh, and therefore... Cold fusion could be a thing, but we don't know about it because people are actively working against us from learning about it. Uh, I would not go so far as to say that. I will say that there is enough of a stigma against cold fusion and low-energy nuclear reactions uh, within the literature world that most magazines won't, you know, scientific won't journals even won't even consider publishing, won't consider publishing sure. right? So they just they dismiss it out of hand. Now, that I think people can make a legitimate argument that that is probably short-sighted that, that right, they should right. they should at least consider them so that other scientists have the opportunity to observe the, the to, to learn about the results mm-hmm. try and replicate it and then that's how we can and make at least progress. Yeah, at
1: least make a consideration about it before rather than dismissing it out of hand right as
0: yeah I think I think dismissing it out of hand ends up just creating more fuel for the conspiracy theorists. Now personally, I or don't think there's anything to it.
1: counter counter culture, what's the I was I was lectured about the terminology of oh, conspiracy theorists. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, I'm sorry that they the don't. conspiracy theorists hate the term conspiracy theorist. I'm really sorry about that. Um so anyway, uh yeah.
1: We're going to have Ben and Matt in here on our <laughs> Bring them
0: on. I will Ben's my arch nemesis, everyone knows that. So, uh and if you didn't know that, now you do. I called him my arch nemesis the very first day I met him six years ago. So, and it is held true. <laughs> we, by the way, share trains, to, train rides together, and chat all the way, and talk about music. Very, and very,
1: very little actual arch nemesis.
0: He's about as lazy a hero as I am lazy a supervillain. So really, nothing happens. Really, is that, yeah. is that
1: how it works out? He's he's the hero. You're the villain. I mean, you're you're you've I, got that you've got, got the bald goatee goatee thing. That's so. that's
0: the problem, right? I mean, I'm I have to be the villain by default by Star Trek rules. Uh, we we go off on a tangent. So anyway, right, anyway, the science does not seem to hold up. Cold fusion. It just doesn't seem to. There doesn't seem to be any support there now. Maybe there, there actually is a way of doing it. Maybe there is, and uh, it's just that whatever results were found were due to something else, and it just hasn't been discovered in the other examples. And uh, maybe it'll turn out that that is the answer, which would be amazing. And I think everyone really wants that world to exist. Oh, absolutely! It would it would mean that it's, our energy problems we would we would be in an energy surplus to mm-hmm. the point where when you have energy surplus, so many things become possible.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those things that you know that you kind of start seeing in something like Star Trek, where it's right. it's just this perfect utopian universe where. A lot of people don't have to work anymore because yeah. we have we have free energy, so we have free transportation, so we have free food, yeah. so
0: yeah, and so obviously this would be a, a pretty great world, and I think it's pretty cynical. Maybe not completely unrealistic to say that corporations would suppress such a world for their own gain, because right. I actually think they would have more to gain in the utopia version of the world than in the current one. But I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a CEO of a major corporation, so maybe I would think in a different way if I were.
1: I can I can see how how changing the status quo could be a scary thing.
0: Yeah, and I'm too lazy to try. Uh, again, supervillain, lazy.
1: So um, yeah. Anyway, uh,
0: it, it'll. I, I'm interested to see how the the. Fusion reactors like ITER turn out uh, over the next couple of decades. Um, if anyone does make advances in the cold fusion field, that would be phenomenal. And you know, while I am a skeptic, and I, I fully admit that I'm a skeptic, I'm also a person who, if you show me evidence that really supports the claim and it's replicable, then I'm going to say like, okay, you're right. I mean, that's that's how science works. That's All right. Uh, I am willing to say like, okay, my my. Skepticism was uh, was not well founded because here we have proof.
1: Right, but, but until then, yeah. But until one, then, I'm a skeptic. One of my one of my favorite stories about that there is a, a Scottish physicist named Douglas Morrison who would attend these cold fusion conferences every year and 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 listen and from what I understand, really genuinely listen to these people who had these brilliant ideas about about how these things might work and and how they were supposedly working in their own labs, and he would stand up and say can you please make me a cup of tea? And they would go, well, it can't produce that much heat yet. And he would go, oh.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the other thing is that if cold fusion, if these reactions are actually happening, if, if there really is something to it, the problem would be, can it be scaled up to something that's useful? Right, exactly. And if it can't be scaled up, then it may be that, all right, well, we've learned something interesting that we didn't know before, which is always valuable. But if it's not uh, practical to use this in any way of generating electricity, it doesn't actually meet the problem that we're trying to solve. Right. So that's something else to keep in mind. Although, personally, I'm always like knowledge for knowledge sake. Bring Great. it on. Pretty cool. All right, guys, that wraps up another classic episode of Tech Stuff. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, let me know. You can send me a message on Facebook or on Twitter. I'm techstuffhsw at both. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Running a business is no cakewalk. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's brand new season two.